What is the driving force to improve the culture of your building and move your school towards success? This week's guest, Emily Pascal, shares how she makes connections to help every student, parent, and colleague achieve success. In this episode, we're also going to discuss how to build partnerships with families, provide feedback to teachers, make an impact as a new leader, and multiply excellence in your schools. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. And Emily, I am so excited to talk with you. You are doing so many amazing things on your campus, and I am just enthralled with the amount of knowledge that you've just even said in the short period of time that we've talked before the episode started recording. So before we begin and dive into your new book and all the things that you're doing and initiatives, will you just share with the listeners your educational and leadership journey? Yeah, sure. I started my journey by teaching fifth grade right out of college, and I taught fifth grade, and then I um, was transitioned right after that to teaching first grade for a couple of years. And I also have experience teaching third grade. So I've been a little bit all over the board in the elementary world. After I left the classroom, I went to be a district math specialist, an elementary district math specialist. And so I did that for a couple of years at the district level. And I had the opportunity to work with adults for the first time, which was brand new for me because I had always been working with kids. And so I got to coach teachers and work side by side with teachers and work a whole lot in curriculum and elementary curriculum for a few years. And then after that, doing that for a couple of years, I was ready to get back into a school. I missed the relationships with the kids and um, just being in the same place every day. And so now I'm a school administrator in an elementary school. Yeah. So you talked about being an instructional coach. What type of things helped you being in that role first that translated into your now administrative role? Yeah. One of the biggest things that I learned when I was in the instructional coaching role was so often when I was a teacher, I was sit down and learn from people and be told what to do and what to do and what to do. And I didn't ever really receive how to do it. And so being that instructional coach helped me to see the importance of not only do we need to be giving teachers the what, we need to be giving them the how. And that means being in the trenches with them, being side by side with them and staying in the trenches with them. So my biggest takeaway from being that instructional coach was as an administrator, I need to be on the in the trenches with them all the time, helping them with the how. That how piece is often the missing piece in schools and helping teachers grow. So I want to talk about being an administrator, being a, a leader of a campus. What are some things that you mm-hmm. do to help the culture of your school? Well, one of the biggest things that I believe is I'm not going to ask any teachers to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And if I want teachers to be excited about school, I need to be excited about school. And when I first became an administrator at our school, one of the things that I did that that really caught them off guard and they were like, what's she doing? (laughs) Was on the very first day of school, I come with this jammy pack. And I don't know if you know what a jammy pack is, but it is a fanny pack with speakers, Bluetooth. And I'm wearing this thing, prancing down the hall, playing music, Lion King music. Like, we just can't wait to be king. And the kids are coming down like, well, I'm so excited to meet you. And it's my first day and teachers are like, what? (laughs) But that's my way to say, I'm excited to be here and I want you to be excited to be here. And so that's one of the things that, that we started doing. And then, you know, as time went on, the kids started dancing, they became a part of it. Teachers started dancing and then they started, you know, on Fridays playing music in their hallways. And it just kind of had this ripple effect in our school. And the excitement starts with the administrator. 
And you can tell the moment, moment you walk through a school what that culture is and the level of excitement based on, you know, it comes from the top. Um, that's one of the things that I would say that I've done that made a huge difference in the culture. Um, the other thing is just the relationships. And so another thing I'm a big believer is, in is, you know, when you have a faculty meeting, that is the perfect moment to model for your teachers what you want classroom instruction to look like. And if you're not greeting those teachers at the door, don't expect the teachers to in the morning. If you're not up there modeling best practices and making it an engaging experience, don't expect the teachers to, because that's our one moment. We don't get it very often where we can be with those teachers and show them what we want them to do in the classrooms. And so if we can't take that one hour a month or two hours a month to do that, you know, is that, is that really effective leadership? So true. And so many of your top of all things that you're talking about as far as initiatives and practices that you've done as a principal, um, I know is something that you wrote about in your new book. And I want to touch on that real quick is you are doing a book launch right now for Eyes on Culture, Multiply Excellence in Your School. And will you just share maybe a quick synopsis of the book and then also some more strategies about how you're impacting your campus by changing the culture? Yeah. When I collaborated with Jimmy Costas and Jeff Bull on this book, what we wanted to do is we wanted to use those same core principles that Jimmy uses in Culturize because his core principles are so strong. Champion for kids, expect excellence, be a merchant of hope. And so what we wanted to do was use those core principles, but me come at it from my angle of what I think makes an effective and culturized school. And so the reason it's titled Multiply Excellence is because, you know, we want to be excellent ourselves, but until we're multiplying it in others, we're not going to culturize our school. It can't just be in the four walls of our classroom. We have got to find a way as teachers, as custodians, as administrators to multiply it, not only in ourselves, but in everyone else, including the parents. And so that's what this book is about. It's his four core principles, but you'll see a cycle of here's how you can do it with kids. Here's how you can do it with teachers. Here's how you can do it with parents. And you'll see that cycle in all of the chapters that I'm constantly coming back. And another thing about this book is that I thought was really important is I wanted this book to be full of stories so that you see the credibility behind what I'm wanting to share with you. So this book is full of stories about kids or about parents or about teachers that I've worked with and, you know, just talking about the the learning experience that I had. The other important piece to this book is that not only am I telling you, you know, some things that you can do or, you know, some stories about some people that, you know, it worked with, but then I'm going to have included all throughout the book something called systems of excellence. And systems of excellence are procedures or 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 things that you can put in place in your own school of how you can do it. Because that's so often when I read a book, what I'm left with, I'm like, this is great, but how do I do it? How do I put this into place? And so you'll see systems of excellence embedded all throughout of ways that you can jumpstart it. So let's talk about the learning experience, because I know everyone (laughs) has that happen when they're going from a teacher to an instructional coach or an instructional coach to an administrator. So what was maybe one of the largest aha moments for you transitioning from an instructional coach to an administrator? Well, one of the biggest things for me was I was really young when I first became an administrator and I worked with a very veteran staff and our staff is awesome, but I realized my age and so did they (laughs) and rightfully so. The key to that 
was number one, building relationships and letting them know that we're together on this. I've got you. This is not a gotcha type of role. The second thing was in order to prove myself and let them see that we are on the same team, I had to get in the trenches and I had to stay there. And they needed to see that that we were invested in the kids equally and that I was going to do whatever it took to help everyone in the building be successful. Let's talk about the gotcha moments, right? Because yeah. I've, I've experienced that myself as administrators. And this was hard for me because as a peer, you would walk into a room and nothing would change. But when you're an administrator and you walk into a room, you can just feel the air in the room get sucked out. And there's almost this animosity like, oh, my goodness, they're looking for something. Or without a relationship, it does sometimes feel like to the teacher that it's a, you're there for a gotcha moment. So what were some things that you did to help build those relationships and kind of break that wall down? Yeah, we just need to communicate sometimes. Sometimes that gotcha comes across because we simply just haven't communicated something, communicated something, and maybe we just didn't think about it. But one of the things when I was first hired was I told, you know, when I was in the district role, I was able to see that of how teachers felt when we came in the room. And so I knew when I became an administrator that I had to find a way to help all of us overcome that together because I got to see the case where they felt like I was out to get them when I walked in their room. So the things I did was I told them, I'm like, listen, I'm excited to be here. And my most, my favorite thing to get to do is be in classrooms and just let them know I'm going to be in classrooms every single day because you are the most important person in this building of making that pivotal moment for changing kids' lives. And so I want to help you. So I let them know first and foremost, that that was going to be the case so that that wasn't a shocker for them because that's not fair. It shouldn't be, you know, we're all doing this together. And so, but it took some time. I mean, you know, it, it took time for them to get used to it and that's okay. We were learning each other. Another thing that I did was I love to leave. I don't do this all the time because I don't want it to become something to get too used to where it's not exciting for them. and doesn't make them feel important, but I love to leave a sticky note, just a simple sticky note of something specific that I enjoyed that they did in their classroom that day after I leave. Or sometimes it might be a small suggestion, like, hey, I wonder how you could do this, you know, but I didn't do that at first. (laughs) It was a while before I did that. It was just positivity at first. After spending some time getting in classrooms and getting used to that, another thing that I always like to tell administrators is, don't go stand in the corner when you go in somebody's classroom. You don't have to stand in the corner. Sit in the floor with the kids. If they're at station, play the game, you know, and so because you want the kids to be comfortable too. It's not just the teacher. And then another thing, I remember when I was an instructional coach, I was able to go to lots of different schools, even outside of my system, and visit classrooms. And you always knew if kids were used to having visitors in their room when you would walk in, because either they would freeze or they'd be like, hey, you want to play with me? (laughs) And so, you know, that tells you a whole lot about the culture of the school. If kids are not not used to other adults being in the room. It's just all about how you go in there. If you go in there with a clipboard every single time and you're taking notes like that, there's a time and a place that it shouldn't be the most often tactic that you know that you use when you go in a room. So I love the sticky note idea. And I'm Mm -hmm. just curious, what are some other tactics that you use to provide immediate feedback to your teachers? Yeah. Okay. Let's give an example of of new teachers. So new teachers, they come on and and you want to set them up for success. I remember my first year, like, you know, I was just kind of on an island, which was a great growing experience for me. But whoa, like I was on my own. And I never want a new teacher to experience that. And so new teachers, one of the things that, you know, we will do is before school even starts, I sit down with them and I'm like, okay, you know, I want you to learn about me. I've already interviewed you and gotten to ask you questions. 
Now you can interview me and you learn about my leadership style. And I communicate to them up front the coaching cycles that they're going to be receiving, what it's going to look like and how I'm going to be giving them feedback. And, you know, all of those things that they know up front, this does not need to be a surprise. We've got to stop shocking teachers with that because that feels our joy of what we do every day. So just sitting down with them and um, communicating that. So then after, you know, I would let them know, like, especially when they're brand new, let them know, hey, I'm going to come in and after you've worked with the reading coach for a couple of weeks, I'm going to come in and I'm going to, you know, watch your lesson. I'm so excited to see you and I'm going to offer you some feedback. I'm going to let you know what I loved about it and I'm going to offer you some feedback. And just telling them that up front, simple thing makes them so much more receptive. And it doesn't even have to be a new teacher. That's just fresh on my mind because that's what I've been doing this yeah. week <laughs> with our new teachers. That's any teacher, you know, that we are just on the same team here. And let me let you know ahead of time, these are the things I'm going to do. I'm excited to help you grow. And I love the communication aspect that you just said and then yeah. um, making that connection with them. So what are some ways that you are connecting beyond your teachers and connecting with your students and your families? Yeah, one of my favorite, favorite things, well, I've got two things that I love to do. <laughs> one of the things that I think makes a huge impact in multiplying excellence in your school is going on home visits. Yeah. And you'll hear a lot about that in the book of the importance of that. And we're so afraid of it so often that we, we would just hear these horror stories. And I can tell you that I have been on hundreds of home visits and I've never had a horror story <laughs> in all of my years of uh, being in a teacher and an instructional coach role and an administrative role. Never had a horror story of a home visit, but that is the best way. It, it's a great way to reach all kids. Let me just say this. And it's a great way to connect with families for all families. But when you've got that kid that's unreachable, almost every time the missing link is that you haven't been in that kid's home and the safety of their home because they've had whatever trauma in their life they've experienced of why they're not letting you in, they'll let you in if you get in their home. And I talk, I talk a lot about that in the book, that home visits are key. It is key. And, um, you know, it, I just feel like in, almost in the majority of schools, it doesn't exist. No, you're right. I've, I've done it for, I actually have lost track of how many years I've been doing it home visits, but I'm, yeah. um, they're so powerful. And the families too. I mean, it's a different connection than just meeting them yeah. at school. Yes, absolutely. Another thing that we do is that we started at the school I'm at is we do something called culturized by calling. And we talk about how we want to culturize our school. But in order to do that, when we call parents, it can't always be for a negative reason. <laughs> and so how can we change the culture of our schools so that parents start looking forward to hearing from us? So something that I commit to do every single day and, and our teachers do as well is we have, we have something we call Cub Awards because we're the Cedar Hill Cubs at our school. And so we give Cub Awards out when kids are noticed doing something just above and beyond or they reached a goal, you know, just for whatever reason. There's no rhyme or reason to why we give kids one. But every single day, every kid that gets a Cub Award, I make the, phone, I make the positive phone call home because it's important to me. If I want teachers making those positive phone calls home, it needs to start with me. It has to start at the top. And so whenever a kid gets a Cub Award, we just like, we make them feel like the most important person in the world. And we celebrate them, take a picture of them, post them on social media. And then we run to my office and we call their parent and the kid and I do it together because it is so special creating that moment for the kid and the parent because Sometimes that doesn't exist and parents don't know how to do that for their kid. And it's a great opportunity for us to model it 
there's been so many times parents have cried, kids have cried, you know, just being able to create that magical moment for the parent and the kid. There's just nothing there's it's just so special. So we call that culturized by calling at our school. And that's even become a hashtag over the years. I mean, um, in the past year on, on Twitter that, you know, you culturize by, you culturize your school by calling, making a positive phone call home every day. Yeah. No, those practices are phenomenal. And I'm so glad you, that you do those at your school. And I think if anyone's not doing a home visit or the positive phone calls home, they need to do that tomorrow. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. And it, obviously, you know, that the home visits are probably going to look a little bit different with you know the pandemic. But, you know, we can do those virtually. We can do those distancing. And there's plenty of things that we can do and put in place Absolutely. to make sure that everyone's safe and still getting those connections. So I want to talk about... Another connection that you've created through a Twitter chat, and I want to know the origin story behind that. Yeah, so um, I have a Twitter chat every Monday night at eight o'clock central, and it's the Elementary AP Network. But the hashtag is the hashtag is E L E M A P Network. And um, so when I was first hired as an administrator, I was an assistant principal, and I thought, man. I'm on an island. <laughs> and so there was only like four other assistant principals in my system that were elementary assistant principals. And we just didn't get to see each other much. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. I felt lost. And so I got on Twitter one day and I thought, hey, you know, maybe I can form a network, you know, see if other people want to join and we can bounce ideas off of each other. So I get on there and I said, you know, are you an elementary, elementary assistant principal? Join my Voxer group. And it took off within 24 hours. Um, it, I mean, we had hundreds in the group within 24 hours from people across the country, even across the world. And it still goes on now. So we have this boxer group where we're just constantly sharing ideas. And we've got um, Google folders where we share resources and things like that. And then the Twitter chat every Monday night. We also have, you know, we'll have Google Meet or Zoom meetings. And we've had other speakers join in and, and you know, just offer advice and suggestions and support so it's a great great network that we've got no that's so amazing and there's so many administrators out there that do feel like they're on an island so if you are one that feels like that make sure that you're connecting with emily through that network and uh, make sure you're joining that twitter chat is there anything else on social media that you're a part of that is a project of yours that you're real passionate about Yes. One of the other things that started um, fairly recently, a year or two ago, was Facelift Fridays. And I was at the school that I'm at now, and we were just trying to work together to find ways to make school more exciting for kids and give them, you know, even more reason to look forward to coming to school. Because if they don't look forward to coming to school, we're not doing something right. And so we do something called Facelift Fridays. That is a hashtag on Twitter. And every single Friday, we do something above and beyond where we surprise the kids with something special to give them a reason to smile when they walk in the moment that they arrive at school, because we have no idea what kids have faced before they arrive at school each day, but we do have the power to give every kid a reset. And so something that we did last school year, every single Friday was we rode the school bus in the morning. And um, there was, you know, our custodians have done it. Our teachers have done it. Our, you know, the administrators have done it. Everybody would just take turns and surprising the kids by riding a bus. And so when the kids get on the bus, their teacher's there and they're like, just riding the bus is one of those special, special moments that you live for in education. Because just getting, you get to know the kids on a new level when you sit on the bus with them and they're the first, you're the first person they get to see in the morning. That's not the only thing we do. Our kindergarten hallway always plays music on Friday mornings and they form a train and they dance down the hall, up and down the hall as all the kids arrive. And it's just as the kids get there, they join in on the train. And it is just so adorable seeing them dance for 10 or 15 minutes. 
and it's just fun. And the teachers let loose, they dance. Every you can do it so many different ways, and it's really taken off over the last year. And schools across the country participate in it. And everybody has their own way to give every kid a facelift the moment that they arrive to the school. But the key is to make every kid smile yeah. and make them feel like the most important person in the world. That's so powerful. I love that so much, Emily. So I like to end my conversations by asking my guests about an aspire action step. And so many times people listen to a podcast, but they don't actually act on the things that are said in in the interview. So for our aspiring leaders or maybe our current leaders, what is one thing that they can do tomorrow to really enhance their leadership style? I would say, well, school is starting, you know, across the country right now. And right now we are at a huge disadvantage that we've got a proven education that we can overcome it because we have always overcome disadvantages or barriers. And that is what we preach all the time that we've got to remove the barriers so we can help kids. Well, we've got barriers right now, but there is still a way for us to help uh, rise above it if we can work together. So one of the things that I would say is, you know, we couldn't have an open house this year, for example, in our school. And many, you know, or if you can't do home visits right now, what can you do to still make connections with the kids and with the families? And some ideas for that is, and I know that different districts have different limitations right now. And so just some ideas would be, you could, you know, do some distant home visits by, by letting the kids know, hey, someone's going to be arriving at your, your teacher is going to be arriving at your door and it's going to be a surprise at who your teacher is this year. And administrators join in on it because it is so special to get to do that. And we did that this year. The teacher stood at a distance and it worked. We did not come within six feet of the kids and the parents knew we were going to be there. And so we were able to, to respect all of that and make it work. Another idea would be if that if you're not comfortable with that is you could have a celebration of a, a drive by parade where all of the teachers could parade through the community. We've done that as well. And the kids can be excited and stand, you can get your bus drivers to help with the bus route. And you can, they can stand outside of, in their yard and you drive by because we are excited about school starting and blow, you know, blow your horns, paint your windows and all of that and have a drive by parade in the community. That's another idea. Something else that we did back in the spring when we had our pandemic, the outbreak and we were so disconnected. We were so heartbroken during teacher appreciation week. We wanted to find a way for the teachers to feel appreciated. So all of the teachers lined up on our sidewalk. And all of the families came through our car rider lines to celebrate the teachers. So there's so many different things that you can do to still bring each other together, even though you're not going to be in and side by side having that conversation to let us all know that we're working together to carry the banner for our school. And no matter what, we're going to we're going to keep doing that. We're not going to let anything stop us. No, that's so true. So, Emily, how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Okay, so I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram and Voxer, and all of the usernames are the same. It is Emily A. Paschal, E-M-I-L-Y-A-P-A-S-C-H-A-L-L. Emily, you have provided so many wonderful resources and strategies for our leaders, and I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a great opportunity. I'm honored.